We serve a mighty God. And, and this morning, I, I want to uh, begin a new series. It's out of Genesis, and um, it, it's entitled, uh, God Converses with His People. And um, uh, I hope that it, it's over the life of Abraham or some of, of his life, and, and uh, I hope that you will gain, um, not only be challenged, uh, but also encouraged in your prayer life uh, and in your life of obedience. You know, the Bible is the divinely inspired record of God revealing himself to humanity. He is showing us who he is. And we stand today at the, the headwaters of a great river, a channel so narrow that even a child could step across it. But then it opens up and out into a wide and immense waterway that will reflect the sky and refresh the continents. See, the call of Abraham is the most important event in the Old Testament. But it is also a huge example to us of individual faith. Of somebody who is willing to, to trust God. And for those reasons, for both of those reasons, he is called the father of the faithful. See, in a, in a unique way, God began the gradual revelation of himself in his choice of Abraham as the father of the faithful. See, the rest of the Bible is a further explanation of, of what God did after he communicated first with Abraham. Almost without exception, we think of prayer as human activity directed toward God. Have you ever thought about prayer this way? That it may be a divine activity that is directed toward us. I mean, do you think of prayer as being just a monologue in which you come into God's throne room and talk to him about your problems and your needs? I mean, is that your total concept of prayer? Because really, prayer has to do with two different entities, us and God, and communication between the two. Do you realize that prayer is a dialogue in which we communicate with our eternal God who also has revealed himself as a loving father, and he desires to communicate with us. See, I would not be irreverent at all if, if I was talking in the terms of prayer being God speaking to us. Speaking to our hearts, speaking to us. And we pray that, that God, and we, we, we pray in expectancy that, that he would answer our prayers. Scripture says if we pray doubting nothing, then we can expect him to answer. David, I praise God for answering our prayers. Amen. See, the Bible is a, a record of, of God's petitions, his requests, his promises, and his plans for us. The account of Abraham's call records one of the great prayers of God. And it reveals that prayer is a dialogue in which God also communicates with us. I want to read in Genesis chapter 12, and I want to begin in verse 1, and I'm going to read down through verse 4. And this is what it says. It says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, excuse me, to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house 
to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. Let's pray. Loving Father, we recognize that we need you. We desperately need you. Father, I pray that even now your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts. Father, we come to this place seeking you. May your Holy Spirit speak to our hearts and reveal your truth to us. Father, may we respond with courage as we rise to be obedient to all that you teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. See, first today I would like to impress upon you that prayer is a divinely initiated experience. That prayer is a divinely initiated experience because in all of life, in everything that we do, God initiates and then we respond. We respond to God after he has already initiated to us. See, maybe we've thought of prayer as something we do on our own initiative. Well, I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer when I feel like it. But it doesn't work that way. A close study of God's word will convince us that prayer is a divinely initiated experience. It is the Father God who moves us to pray and who creates within us a hunger for fellowship with him. Apart from him, we can do nothing. He is the one who initiates it. He is the one who calls to us in those times throughout the day when we know we are being called to respond to him. See, Stephen... Over in Acts chapter 7, he declares that it was God who took the initiative in communicating his will to Abram. I want to read that for you. Stephen said to the people of his day, he said it this way. Hear me, brethren and fathers. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. And he said to him, leave your country and your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. I mean, how and when did God initiate this with Abram? When did he, when did he do that? We don't know for certain. I mean, did God speak to Abraham uh, during the silence and the darkness of the night? As he laid his head down at night, did he speak to him there? Or did he speak to him as he was contemplating and meditating who God is and what God is about? Or maybe was it through his work, as he was working and busy during the day? Was that when he initiated it? We don't know. But we know that God initiated it. The overwhelming truth is that God initiated the process of communication. In verse, tw- in, in verse 1 it says, Now the Lord said to Abram. I think this is huge. Could it be that God initiates our experiences with him even like an earthly parent hungers for meaningful communication with their child 
that may be distant from them. My son never calls. I wish he would just call me and talk to me. I wish that I could have that communication with my son or daughter. It may be that God is desiring that in us. See, in this prayer experience, Abram received some very strong commands from God. He said, go forth, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. Brothers and sisters, this is huge. God's command called for him to leave his country. I am certainly glad that we live in the United States. I'm certainly glad that I live in Texas. But what will we do when God calls us to go forth from our country? He also makes the command for him to leave his family. When God speaks, when God speaks, he, he initiates that and, and he, he talks to Abram. And we understand this in terms of the total environment rather than his immediate family. He calls him out of his country, away from his family. But we recognize that his father jumped in the driver's seat. He's talking to Abram. His father jumps in the driver's seat. They all move to Haran out of Ur. Then his father dies. And that's where we pick this up. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country. God's communications are made to solitary souls. And his voice always calls us away from friends and companions. Think about this. Most of the time when he calls you to prayer, he wants you to separate yourself so that you can be alone with him. Turn the phone off. Turn the television off. Turn the noise down in your life so that I can communicate with you. He calls us to that, to go with God. But notice God speaks to individuals. God speaks to individuals. He does not address the crowd. But we come here expecting to hear from God. We come here expecting. What about in our personal life? What about when we're not around anyone else? Do we expect to hear from God? See, at 75 years old, some of us might say, well, he's in the third quarter of his life. Maybe even the, the two-minute warning. But folks... Hear this, your life is not over at 75. God still has stuff for you to do. He still has a purpose for you in this. I think this is huge because at 75 years old, God asks Abraham to move to a land that I will show you. I mean, he doesn't tell him where. He just tells him to go. I mean, there's no maps. There's no AAA trip tickets. There's no brochures. He pointed west and said, go, and Abram's family is in Ur, and his business is in Ur, his friends are in Ur, but God's direction was clear, and so Abraham packs up his stuff, and he goes. 
I mean, God told him, get out of here. Get out of the land of idols. Get out of this infectious environment so that you will worship me and only me. Get out of here and separate yourself. Get out of here by yourself so I can tell you what I want to tell you. But listen, no one is ever alone who is one with God. Alone against the world, but one with God is a majority. But here's the life principle. God must reduce us to a minimum before he can work through us to the maximum. What God needs is less of us and more of him in our life. And that's exactly what he was doing with Abram. He said, go forth from your land, from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house to a land I will show you. See, the call to separateness continues to be true today because Jesus Christ is the great divider. I mean, if we are to be his true disciples, we have to give him our undivided love and loyalty. He doesn't want our love plus. He wants our love alone. He doesn't need your love plus your job, plus your family, plus your environment. He needs you and you alone. I mean, he said in Luke chapter 9, he said, no one who puts their eye, their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. He wants our undivided love and loyalty. I mean, in, in Luke chapter 12, Christ comes to call people out from the world. He puts it in terms of unless you hate your father and mother. And he's, that's being in comparison to his love. And our love for him. Now, he says, if you want to follow me, you must take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. But he calls us unto himself. And the primary relationship when you come to know God is between you and him. God doesn't want anything between you and him. Not your spouse, not your family, not your work not your, your, your recreation. He doesn't want anything between you and him. He wants your loyalty. He wants your love, your commitment. You know, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said it this way. Verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Then over in Luke 14, verse 26, he says, if anyone comes after me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. See, God calls us to himself and for us to be there one with God. When Abram goes out with his daddy, Terah, goes with him and they get as far as Haran and they, they stop and settle then Terah dies and then God moves in even greater to the land, he says, that I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. Know this. 
if you obey God, he will bless you. If you obey God, he will bless you. He says there, and make his name great, and and so he will be a blessing to all the nations. See, when you obey God, not only does he bless you, but God makes you a blessing to others as well. This is huge. This is huge in a society that is self-absorbed, that we would be a blessing to others. See, there's no greater compliment than having another person say, because of you, because of your faithfulness, because of your faith and what you've taught me, because of your ministry, because of the fact that you were faithful, and because I watched you, I am who I am today. Huge compliment. We even see that in Thessalonians when Paul writes, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. See, first they see you. Those around you, they see you. And then they see the God who is behind you. And the God who is before you. And the God who is above you and beneath you and in you. And the God upon whom you are focused. First they see you. Then they see God in you. See, in this prayer experience, Abram also received some clear promises. See, in every commandment there comes from God, there is either an implicit or an explicit precious promise. And the the reality is, you don't know, you don't know where one simple act of obedience will lead you. I wound up as a pastor in Texas. I'm speaking from experience here. You never know where one act of obedience will lead you. But God has a plan for you. He has something for you that he wants you to do. Some of us want to claim the promises without meeting the conditions. But the commandment and the promise, they're always tied together. He says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And, I will, and him who curses you, I will curse. By you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. See, those promises also contain a commission. God chose Abram and his descendants by his own sovereign grace for a redemptive purpose. He had a plan in mind when he chose Abram. This blows me away. The fact that Abram is a pagan. He's worshiping idols. And God speaks to him. And he calls him out and calls him to himself so that he can bless all of the nations of the world. I'm sure Abram was happy being a heathen, a pagan that, that worshipped other, uh, other little g-gods. But God called him out of that and spoke to him because he had a redemptive plan for him. And we call our God the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because that's the same God that calls and speaks to us today. See, God planned 
to use, to make, to cause them, to cause Abram to be a blessing to the whole human race. And God's promises are the blessings. God calls us to bless us and to make us a blessing to all the nations. And I thank God for for blessing us. We need to be blessed. But that's only half of the story. Because if we bottle up God's blessings for ourselves, we're missing the reason that he calls us. He calls us and blessed us so that we can become a channel of blessings for others, literally for all of the nations. And as God's chosen people, we have a great privilege. God has blessed us. But we also have a great responsibility to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. You see, God's word is our instruction manual. And as we follow God's instructions, and as I follow them, I begin to appreciate and and appropriate and enjoy God's blessings. But the opposite is also true. If I'm missing out on God's blessings, it could be that I'm blocking the blessings by the way that I'm living. Maybe I'm not being obedient. Maybe I'm not doing what he is asking of me. Because you see, God's call, it comes with authority. I mean, God's the sovereign God, right? He can do whatever he wants to do. When he calls us, it's not an option for us. He calls us out unto salvation so that we can be saved for all eternity so that we can be a people of his own possession, so that we could be a holy nation, a royal priesthood, so that we belong to him. I mean, he didn't suggest to Abram, if you'd like a happier life, you can go live in Canaan. He says, go forth. Go to Canaan. Get your stuff and go. It was a command that demanded a response. And Abram would have been in disobedience to the sovereign God if he had not gone. If he had not obeyed. Now in the New Testament, the word call or calling generally and is most often used as God's call to us for salvation. And it's not just some helpful hint for a happier life. He's calling us because he has a purpose for us. He's calling us, and it demands a response. You remember when Jesus began to preach the gospel? Over in Mark 1.15, it summed up his message. It says, Jesus said, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Folks, this is the word of the king. This is the word of the king calling rebellious subjects to quit their rebellion and to bow before his rightful Sovereignty. It's a command with serious consequences. Because one day, when the king returns, he's going to put the kibosh on all rebellion. And every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess to the glory of God the Father that Jesus Christ is Lord. See, once we've heard that call, as you have today, you have to obey 
or you're in rebellion against the king. See, God calls us to separate ourselves from all that would hinder us and our complete commitment to him. The word holy comes from a word meaning to separate or to set apart. To be holy is to separate from sin. Not just to separate, to to withdraw from sin to something else, but to withdraw from sin and separate ourselves unto God, towards Him. To remove the sin in our life, to, to, to move towards Him. And the core of holiness, the core of separation is not outward, it's inward. To be separated unto God in here. In here. See, we must break from our culture's sinful ways of thinking. I mean, we desperately need to become a biblical people and biblical thinkers who are able to evaluate our culture by the standard of God's Word. Boy, I thought that would get an amen. You know, we should evaluate the greed of our culture by what the Bible says about contentment and generosity. We should evaluate the sensuality of our culture by what the Bible says about purity and about the sanctity of sex and marriage. We should evaluate our culture's obsession with pleasure and self-centeredness by what the Bible says about service and self-denial. This is the manual. Not what all these other people are, are saying. This is the standard by which we are measured. I don't care what you feel like. This is the standard. I can't make it any plainer. If you belong to God, then this is the standard. Not what they're saying on television, not what Oprah's saying, not what Dr. Phil's saying, not what anybody else is saying, but what God says. Folks, we need to get to that place. Because until then... We're in disobedience. We're dabbling. We're playing. Until our lives come in tune, in focus with what God's word says. See, you need to understand something. God did not choose Abram as a reward for something that he had done or would do. He chose Abram that he might be fruitful and productive and that he and his descendants might be useful in the designed purpose of redeeming people from the waste of sin. See, our great privilege is that God calls us to bless us. God calls us to bless us. Derek Kidner, he observes this. He says, the history of redemption like that of creation, begins with God speaking. The history of redemption, like that of creation, begins with God speaking. This, in a nutshell, differentiates Abram's story from his father's. God spoke to Abram. And his life changed because he responded to God. See, salvation is from the Lord. It's not from us. We don't have a corner on that. It's not anything we can do. God's the one that does the saving through His Son, Jesus. 
You know, as we look at God's commandments, don't forget his promises. They go together. We must not miss the promise if, if we are to have the courage and the faith to respond to the commandments of God. But notice that Abraham responded to this prayer experience. It says, so Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. That is a soul that is obedient to God. So Abram, Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. See, he answered the prayer that God offered to him with an affirmative response, with a yes, Lord. He moved in trusting obedience to the will of God who approached him, who chose him. God initiated it. He approached him. He, he chose him and he promised to bless him. And that promise is no less for each one of us. See, Abram's decision to obey God cost him his very way of life. I'm plowing close to the corn now. Because in your life, that just might be the possession that you hold on to most dearly. I mean, even the most devoted of us may give our time to God. We may give our effort to God. We may even give our money to God. But rarely are we willing to relinquish our comfort. To go where God is calling us to go. But in order to show the faith of our fathers, we should be ready to surrender our lives to a God that we say we trust. So here's what I want you to do. And this is a big one. I want you to ask God to weaken your attachment to your lifestyle. To weaken your attachment to your lifestyle and free you to enjoy the blessing of his will. And then, in those moments when you sense a need for prayer in your heart, recognize that God is initiating that. That God is initiating that and drawing you into his throne room to communicate to you his grace, his guidance, and his help. God knows what you're going through. He knows the situation, the issues of life that you're dealing with. When he is initiating you and, and, and asking you, calling you to times of prayer, he is wanting to give you guidance and help. And we say, no, Lord, I'm too busy. He's calling. Respond. And realize that in that prayer experience, God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you so that you will be a blessing to others. He loves us. He cares so much about us. We're close to his heart. But when he calls, we must respond. I mean, let's rejoice not that we have the, the privilege of just, just us talking to God. But let's rejoice in the fact that God speaks to us.